You're listening to How She Creates, Season 2, Episode 14. Today, I'm talking with Julie Marriott, who is a full-time painter, and she is going to walk you through how to find your own creative process so that you can grow and make amazing art. Welcome to How She Creates. I'm your creative fairy godmother, Lauren. I'm here to take you behind the scenes with all your favorite makers to learn how they create. We'll discuss what it means to live a creative lifestyle, the best resources and tools for making, where to find inspiration, and so much more. I hope these conversations encourage you to make more stuff and share it with the world so we can all see how you create. How She Creates is sponsored by Get Messy Art Journal. Get Messy is an art journal membership community that shares tutorials, inspirations, prompts, challenges, and more each week. Get Messy's goal is to help you nurture your creativity, become the artist you desire to be, and find your creative community. When you sign up for Get Messy's mailing list, you get access to three free classes, one on how to find your creative style, introduction to Art Journal 101, and Art Journal 102, Elevate Your Art Journaling. Get Messy has an amazing community of artists who are waiting to welcome and support you in your art journey. Learn more and sign up for Get Messy in their awesome newsletter at getmessyartjournal.com. Welcome back, friends. I am just so glad that you are here every week that you show up to hang out with me and learn about creativity, and I just really appreciate it. Um, And this week, one thing that I would like to ask that you do is that you share about the podcast, and the easiest way that you can do that is by leaving a review. So if you go to iTunes, um, the iTunes app, if that's where you listen to your podcast, and you scroll all the way down to the bottom, you will see ratings and review, and I would love it if you would um, leave a review and share what you love about the podcast, what your favorite episode was. Um, Just tell me what you think. And at the end of the week, so today is January 29th. So at the end of the week, I will be choosing a um, one person who left a review to win a season's pass to get messy. So you'll get a free all access pass to participate in the season of kindness with us. And I would love for all of you to be able to do that. And so if you even if you aren't the winner, we'd love for you to join. And so if you want to join Get Messy, you can just hop on over to getmessyartjournal.com and that website is gonna be back up or and working on January 31st, and you can register for the season of kindness there. But if you want to win a free spot, you can just leave a review for us on iTunes. And so that would be really helpful and that helps other people share. Um, but if you love listening and you enjoy this episode, I would love it if you just took a screenshot of it and then post it in your stories on Instagram and just let people know about it. Um, because this episode is a really, really good one. This conversation left me so inspired and so excited. Um, I recorded it a couple months ago, actually, before the holiday break, and I was really sad that I had to wait until now for you to hear it. But Julie Marriott is my guest today, and Julie paints the most beautiful florals you've ever seen so if you want to hop on over really quickly to instagram and take a look at her work she is julie marriott art and you spell marriott m-a-r-r-i-o-t-t so julie marriott art is her instagram handle and her website so it's just julie marriott so that you can connect with her and learn more about her Um, Julie is a painter, pattern designer, wife, and mom from San Diego, California. She's passionate about creating bold and joyful artwork for the color-loving soul. In between creating her colorful paintings, she loves to teach acrylic painting workshops and share about her creative process through her podcast, Make, Share, Grow. And I would highly encourage you to check that out. Um, We're going to talk about it more in the show, but they are just bite-sized little episodes that are all about the creative podcast creative process Um, and Julie is just really inspiring and she's really fun and easy to listen to so I would really encourage you to go listen to her there and Julie actually just this week released a line of art prints and they're incredibly beautiful my favorite are her garden girls you will 
die for these you guys if you like color and you like florals these are perfect for you so i would go visit her website and her shop is again juliemarriottart.com and i will have all of these links in the show notes which are always at lauren-likes.com slash podcast. Um, And you can get more information and connect with Julie there. But I hope that this week you leave with lots of great ideas and you're excited to learn more and dig more into your own creative process through this conversation. And we have two challenges at the end for you from Julie. So make sure you listen to the end and then you share with us on how she creates using the How She Creates hashtag. So let's dive into the episode. Thank you so much for being here, Julie. I'm very excited to talk to you. Thanks for having me, Lauren. I'm really excited for this. Yes. And this is bound to be a fantastic conversation because we're both podcasters. So (laughs) you are like a pro. (laughs) At talking all by myself. So we'll see how this goes. No, that is so hard. That is that is really hard. So you're you're doing a fantastic job. <laughs> Thanks. Um. So tell us first. Tell us about your podcast because we're talking about it. Sure. So I have a podcast called Make Share Grow, and um, I started it in October. Um, twenty. What year is it? Twenty seventeen. And um. I just felt like I wanted to kind of have a different format for sharing about my art practice that was a little bit different than just blogging about it. Um, I'm not really into blogging. And so like, it's funny because podcasting is just as much, if not more work than blogging, but for some <laughs> yeah. reason, it, it seemed more, like more fun to me. So I was more likely to do it. And also, I think the other main reason is that I just love listening to podcasts. They, um, I just have my earbud- earbuds in a lot during the day when I'm in the studio or when I'm driving, listening to um, different shows. And it's how I've learned a lot about creative entrepreneurship. Um, And so being that I have a love of listening to podcasts, I always sort of had this secret desire to have my own podcast. And so I was like, why not? Why don't we do this? Because I find I have a really kind of a close, I feel like I have a close connection to the people I listen to because I listen to their voices. And um, it's just as different than when you're reading like, you know, text like captions on Instagram or blog posts. It's just as different when you get to listen to somebody's voice. So I thought it'd be cool to make that sort of connection with the people who cared about the work that I'm making. So yeah, that's that's my podcast. So I, I just wrapped up season one. Um, I ju- it just is 12 episodes. So I took it uh, just kind of a small bite size um, start to it. And then in uh, 2018, I'm going to start season two um, and maybe just start having some guests on. It's been solo show so far. So yeah, I'm excited for that. It's I've had really good feedback so far. So I'm glad it's been encouraging other artists and creative people out there. Yes. Yeah. I really like it. It's um, Can you share some of the topics you talk about? Yeah. So the whole idea of Make, Share, Grow is that um, it's kind of this symbiotic relationship I've sort of seen in my own art practice is as I'm making work, I'll share it with the world and having it by putting it out like on um, like on social media or on my website. And it sort of promotes by sharing it. I'm like trying to put my thoughts together. So I make things and then I share them out there. And then the act of actually having to like gather my work together coherently in order to share it helps me think more carefully about my work. And so then I find that I grow and kind of am kind of growing and changing because I'm thinking more about my work because I'm having to present it to people. But then also other people will give me feedback and will encourage me and that'll encourage me to keep making, which will, you know, it's kind of like a little circle. Then I'll start sharing some more and then I'll grow some more and then I'll continue making. So that, that was kind of the idea behind the name for the podcast. So basically what I'm doing in, in the podcast is just sharing 
the behind the scenes of my artistic practice. I'm a painter and a pattern designer. Um, I primarily paint at this point. I'm I'm still sort of starting out in the world of pattern design. Um, and so I I think I talk more about painting on the on the podcast, but um, but yeah, I'll have I had an episode on how um sort of my journey to finding my artistic voice. Um, one of them was about me doing a 30-day project and why I decided to do that and what I learned through that process. Another one is just all my favorite art materials. Um, so yeah, it, it kind of varies, but I tried to focus mostly on, on my, like the art practice versus getting deep into like businessy sort of things because there are so many good resources for creative business and I feel like I'm such a newbie still. I was like, I don't have much to add to that conversation right now, but I can totally tell you about why I love painting and how I paint. So, and I I just always have this curiosity about other studio artists and what they do in their studios and what kind of paints they like to use and all that good stuff. So, I thought other people would be interested if I shared that too. Yes, I feel the exact same way. I definitely don't want this podcast to ever be a creative business podcast because there are so many good ones out there and there's not enough people just talking about art. Yeah, um, it's really refreshing when you can just hear about the creation side because it gets, I don't know, I feel like I get a little burned out if I consume way too much business stuff. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And it's so easy to. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so that's what we're going to talk about today. So I know you have a whole podcast episode on this, but if you would just give us a shortened version of your creative story and how you fell in love with creating, that'd be sure. awesome. Sure. So I guess, I mean, I've been creating art ever since I was a kid. I never really had a transition. Um, I know, I know some artists have a hard time calling themselves artists. Like it's this barrier to them. They think they need to like achieve something before they can call themselves a legitimate artist. But I guess I never really had that issue because I've just been like creating ever since I was a kid all the way through high school um, into college. And I was homeschooled as a kid. And so the way that we kind of broke up our schooling just left more free time in the day. Like we were able to get our school done earlier. And so I just had time to just sit and sort of be creative in whatever way I felt like being. And so I started painting with acrylic paints when I was probably like 9, 10, 11, somewhere around in there and other types of paints too. But since acrylics are just so accessible and they're really like kid friendly, not any, nothing really toxic about them or anything. So I had a bunch of those and painted uh, in my free time. And then when I um, moved into college, I majored in art and focused on painting and drawing. And um, I thought at that point I was going to do illustration for children's books because I, I – and I'm still really – interested in the craft of children's books, but my my ideas have kind of moved away from that or what I'm doing now. But um, I was like, that's a good job. I could do that. <laughs> it's like a job that's attached to art. I could do that. And so, um, so I did a couple small projects in that after graduating and then um, just started teaching at a local art studio for a couple years and um, for about about four years. And then um, when I had my daughter, Violet, I had her um, almost three years ago now. And um, so I decided to quit my job and stay home with her and um, then just started getting kind of into the whole Etsy scene and had an Etsy shop. And then Etsy is so fantastic. They have a ton of support articles for help, helping you build your brand and your marketing and how to promote your shop. And then so that kind of that kind of introduced me to the whole world of creative entrepreneurship. And um, then I started finding some podcasts that were about that. And that just got me really excited to sort of make my own brand and um, kind of go out on my own and start selling my art. Because going through going through galleries, I, I always thought that that was the only way that you could actually sell original paintings. And that just seemed very intimidating to me. But sort of this the grass, I don't know if it's grassroots exactly, but like, um, just 
just kind of doing it on your own, like almost a DIYing, <laughs> like <laughs> selling your art seemed really cool. And so, yeah, that's what I've been doing for about the last three years. Very nice. All right. You said multiple important things I want to talk about. Um, yes, I don't know what you have to do, accomplish to call yourself an artist, but I definitely struggle with that. And so I love that you're like, no, you're just an artist, like whatever. Um, that's like very encouraging. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Like, that's just what I am. Like, I don't know why I'm like weirdly not calling myself that or like around certain people, you know, I get nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But- I mean, if you make art, you're an artist. <laughs> that's basically it. <laughs> exactly. Um, Yes, I also love that you said you initially thought you wanted to do children's illustration. And I went in and when I got my degree in social work, I wanted to do um, international disaster relief. And I do live overseas now, but I definitely am not doing disaster relief. But I think that that's really important that we will sometimes go towards a goal for a specific outcome or reason and it shifts along the way and that's perfectly fine um like it's not I, I don't think I'm a failure because I don't do international disaster relief and I don't think you're a failure because you don't do children's book illustrations um but the fact that you that you use that momentum of working towards that to become the thing that you are which is totally awesome um yeah for really- sure Yeah, for sure. I totally agree. And I see that like kind of looking back um, and having to sort of think like, okay, how do I explain my story? I've been seeing like even teaching, I think everybody, unless you're in school, like specifically to learn how to teach, uh, if you're in to kind of learn your discipline versus teaching, I think a lot of us would say like, never, I'm not going to go teach. I'm going to go do my thing or whatever that (laughs) is. And um, so I felt like that when I was in college and then I ended up teaching kids for several years. And what I learned that through that experience was so important for me teaching. Now I teach workshops as well, um, but adult workshops. And I just kind of teach painting in the style that I like to paint. And I teach them to sort of create a piece that looks, you know, similar to one of my pieces. So it's not like from a photo or anything. It's more, um, I guess, more interpretive and colorful and playful. And I feel like all of those tools I learned as a as a kids teacher has totally fed into me doing even closer to what I really want to be doing now. And yeah, you just never know. You never know. <laughs> Yes, I always love to look at like the breadcrumb breadcrumb trail that was left behind. Like you take these opportunities and you do these kind of random things. And then, you know, later you can look back and be like, oh, look at how all that added up to like lead me here. But you would have not known you were on that path at the time. Yeah, for sure. So I think that's important to like invest in whatever you're doing and honor that and be okay with it, you know, and be like, this is maybe not like the end goal, but like this workshop is new and interesting and like, it could be awesome. And so I'm going to like go for it and enjoy it. And then we'll see what happens down the road. Yeah, totally. And I love doing workshops now. I think, I think Mm -hmm. thinking about teaching, it almost makes me more thoughtful about what, what I do when I'm painting, because I've had to like understand it in a new and different way where I have to like break it down to the really like bite-sized kernels. And then as I'm as I'm helping my students kind of work through issues they're having in their paintings, it's helping me get more clarity and like, oh, how do I problem solve in my paintings? And how do I, ver- you know, verbalize that to help someone else? So I feel like that whole, that whole process has just made me be a more, th- more thoughtful about my own art practice too. Yes, I think that's a good challenge for everyone listening is to think about your art process of however you create and try and verbalize that even if you just write it in your journal or you do a blog post or Instagram post about it um, because that it does help you figure out what's going on in your art and like where the problems are, what you really like about it, how you can improve on that and grow on that. And so I think that's a good, um, that's a good like how she creates challenge. So we'll have that as one of our, I feel like we're gonna have a lot of good challenges today. Um, 
So yes, if you verbalize your process, we would love to read it on Instagram. So share it like as an Instagram post and caption and use the hashtag how she creates so that we can see. I think that's really fun. Yeah, for sure. I love that idea. Um, and you also said um, that you like DIY the DIYing. I like that um, because I think people listen to these podcasts because they want to know how to become an artist or how to become a, you know, sell their artwork and stuff. But I just think I always tell people like I went onto the internet and I made up my job and now people give me money for it. Um, (laughs) Yes. So, and I still don't even know what to call it. Um, So I think if you like want to do something and create something or sell your stuff or whatever it is, you just, you got to DIY it and figure it out. It's going to be your own path and there's never going to be 100% like this is the exact path you should follow. Yeah. And I feel like that was when I was starting out, I I had a sense like I really liked what I was making and I wanted to sort of test the waters and see like to, do other people like what I'm making? And I think that's how you start. And that's like honestly – been my entire past thus far with my business is just like putting work out there and slowly people start paying attention and the people who like what you're doing are going to like group around you and watch it and eventually hopefully buy it from you. Um, But I think, yeah, it starts with you really like enjoying what you're doing and just kind of persevering at it and sharing it out there. Because I think when I started my Etsy shop, I was like, people are going to start buying this stuff immediately. I'm going to make all these sales. And I didn't sell anything for like four months, three or four months. It just all sat in there, like all this hard work. And so I think it definitely you have to like start gaining momentum slowly and just trying to like show what you're doing to as many people as possible in different ways, like on social media or your website or talking about it with your friends. Um, If you want to sort of test the waters and see how people are like responding to what you're doing. But I think, yeah, and there definitely is always a crowd who will like what you're doing. You just have, you just have to find them somewhere. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that is so, so true. Like there is a place for you online or in person. You just sometimes it's hard. You have to search. But there are no matter how weird the thing you like to make is, there is somebody out there who likes it, too. Um, So that's a that's really good advice to keep keep looking for those other people equally as weird as you. (laughs) I know. And I never thought people would be willing to look as many at as many flowers as I paint, but they do. They keep coming back and looking at them. (laughs) Yes. Well, your flowers are so beautiful and you do such a good job of sharing and your pictures are gorgeous too. So that helps. Thank you. Um, So tell us about your process because you paint, would you consider yourself like you are a floral painter. Um, I guess so. Yeah, I, I guess I always just think of myself as a painter. And right now I'm painting flowers. And it's funny because it's not like I grow flowers. It's not like I'm a gardener exactly. But flowers, when I, I think what got me into flowers is that I started just thinking about what pieces of art. And when I was studying pattern design, what patterns just caught my eye and drew me in and just made me want to buy them. (laughs) And so, um, and that obviously is like, means it speaks to me being that I like want to put down money to like have this thing in my life. And so thinking about that, it was always florals. It was floral patterns. It was floral paintings. And I guess for me, the way that I think about florals is that, they have unlimited like design possibilities mm. and color possibilities. And so when I'm doing my patterns or I'm, well, I guess I'll say when I'm making my paintings, my learning in pattern design influences how I think about my painting. So it is a very sort of design process that's going on in my mind like a like a composing the elements on like the flat two-dimensional surface if that makes sense um and so yeah I I definitely paint flowers and it's different than if I was to paint a landscape because I'm really not trying to 
to like recreate a three-dimensional space with my flowers. I'm just trying to make an interesting composition and that has a lot of interesting contrasts and, um, you know, pleasing color choices and things like that. I have been thinking though about branching out um, and seeing how my style translates to doing uh, landscapes. I did one or two this year for commissions and I loved them. And so I think it's just, I'm sort of like gathering my courage to like break outside of what's comfortable right now. And hopefully maybe in the new year, I'll do a, a landscape series maybe. But but yeah, for now, I definitely like flowers are the major thing I paint. Sometimes people are like tucked in there a little bit. Um, but yeah, mostly flowers. And I'm just sort of exploring the different compositions and color combinations and different types of flowers that I can discover and paint their interesting shapes and things like that. Oh, that's going to be so cool to watch you transition. I I like love watching that evolution of people going from something like very niched and then like rolling that over into something new. And I know how hard and scary that is. Um, but it's really fun to watch from the outside. It is. Yes. And I've been thinking like what's giving me like the bravery, I guess. It's not like that big of a deal, but I guess I do need a little bit of encouragement. But I, I watch other artists. Um, so two artists that I love are Emily Jeffords and Luli Wallace. Um, mm -hmm. And Luli was really like for years and years, I've been following her for maybe like five years or so. I don't know. It feels like a really long time. Back before I was even on Instagram, I was just like stalking her website all the time, waiting yes. for like the moment I could buy one of her paintings. But um, she she started out with florals. And then I've just been watching her. She's done like figures and interiors. She's done landscapes. She's done flowers in interiors, like a bouquet of flowers on a table, like in a, a room that has decor and stuff. So she's done so many different things, but they all have like her vibe about them. And so I feel like it's way more interesting as the person who is like following the artist to kind of watch them transition and enjoy like them learning and growing and seeing it makes you keep wanting to go back and see what's new. So yeah. I want to have that in my art practice too and keep it interesting for myself, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that, that is such a good point. So what is your process like? Like when you go to sit down to paint, what happens? Yeah. So I guess it's different when I do commissions versus when I do personal pieces. So I'll just talk about personal pieces because it's just for me. Um, so I have been trying to do um, series. I've done a couple of series this year where I'll just paint a bunch of paintings all in a row and then kind of release them all together. Um, and so Usually I'll have an idea like earlier this year, I did a bunch of small canvases that I called my petite blooms collection. And um, I had I started experimenting with vases. So if I have an idea in my mind, like I want to have flowers with vases or I just want to have a bouquet of flowers where you can't really have a reference for like where they're coming from. It's just sort of the whole canvas is full of flowers. So I have an idea one way or another. Um of how I want to start out. And then basically for like 95% of my pieces, especially the smaller scale ones, I paint the whole canvas a solid color first. And um, I even paint the sides because I use thick canvases, like the gallery wrapped kinds that have the thicker profile to them. And um, I love the sort of the finished look of just the color going all the way around. So I'll paint the entire canvas and that beginning color, I just either decide a warm color or a cool color. And then I just start mixing <laughs> and see what happens. Sometimes I'll have a color reference, like a, something off of Pinterest. I'll be like, oh, I love that color swatch. I want to make that color. But other times I'll just start kind of mixing a couple of colors together and see where it goes. Um, so then I'll just paint the whole canvas. And then after that, I'll start thinking about what, what flower types I want to use. Um, I kind of go back and forth between 
like flowers that I have memorized in my mind and then flowers that are more like a very specific variety that maybe I haven't painted all that much and I'll need like some photo references and stuff. So um, I'll kind of decide like, is it just going to be me making up stuff or am I going to have a photo there to help me along? Um, And I'll paint the flowers first and they're kind of like the anchors to my compositions. And so I'll um, do all of those. And generally, they're warmer colors. So the background the background color informs all the color choices for the rest of the painting because I need contrast so that the, um, the flowers or the leaves aren't the same value, like as light or as dark as the background is, because then they'll kind of blend in. So then if it's like a really dark background, everything will be kind of keyed to like medium to light colors. But if it's like a medium color background, I'll have to kind of key everything to either light or dark and kind of like leave out the middle ground, the the middle value ranges, I guess you would call it. Um, so yeah, so I'm just sort of thinking through those things as I'm painting. It's all kind of intuitive now. I'm not really like sitting and being super like thoughtful about those things. I'm just sort of like as I'm mixing, I'm like, oh, that doesn't look like that. We'll show up, keep changing it. Um, but yeah, so I'll paint the flowers in and then I often will stop if I get stuck in thinking like, oh, I can't think of another color to use for like the other flower or um, something, just another thing that I want to add to my painting, but I'm not sure what would look good with the color I already have. Or maybe I want to try something different than what I like immediately think of. I'll hop on Pinterest. Pinterest is mostly where I get a lot of my color uh, inspiration. I'll just get on there and just look at random photos. I have boards that are flowers and interiors and um, just other photos that I think are really pretty. And so I'll just kind of start pulling colors from those and seeing what how that does in my painting. Um, Yeah, so then I'll just do the flowers and then I'll kind of build the leaves and all like the greenery stuff around the flowers afterwards. And that definitely is kind of a a not a holdover, but like a something I learned in my pattern design process where it's kind of like elements that are not overlapping all that much. It's just a lot of things that are laid out sort of flat on the picture plane. And so that's sort of how I paint too, where, where all of the leaves and things will kind of just come up to the edge of the flowers, but not really go behind or overlap all that much. Like I do, I don't keep super strict rules anymore. I used to be like really strict, like no overlapping at all, but that's no fun (laughs) for very long. So um, yeah, so I'll be loose. I'll overlap some things, but generally um, I kind of just paint everything sort of on the same plane, um, if that makes sense. Uh, Yeah. And so that's, basically my painting process is just sort of feeling my way along and intuitively kind of thinking, okay, there needs to be like something that's warm, you know, a warm color in this corner because it's just all really hanging out in the cool color zone. So then I'll add in some different warm colors and things like that. So yeah, that's sort of how I work through my paintings generally if I'm just sort of going at it on my own versus versus doing like something that's specifically for a commission or something like that. Yeah, I like how you have, uh, like you will mix kind of some inspiration pieces and just your intuition and how things are feeling, but that you also kind of have some rules and guidelines that kind of help bring everything together and keep you going and keep you kind of on um, style, on trend, if, you know, whatever trend is a weird word to use for your, like your own style. Um, but that's such a good idea because we always talk about people are more creative when they have parameters. Oh, Um, I so agree. Yes. (laughs) And I'll say that like on my podcast, I say that over and over because I just, I talk about these things, these exact things. Yeah. On my podcast. And it, it is all for me and is about like having some sort of boundaries help me come up with ideas more easily. And I think that I started like that in in school because my professors, like my art professors, would specifically give us um, boundaries. And they had. A, I'm trying to think of the word they used for them. It might have been a little different. But essentially, like, you can only use these three colors or you can only paint, like, diagonal lines or you can all, you know, whatever. <laughs> and it made you be so much more creative. Um, 
And I also feel like I I could paint any way. Like I don't feel like my um my painting ability is like limited to the style that I'm painting in right now. Like I could paint photorealistically if I really wanted to. I I I could paint well, whether I'd be good at abstract or not, I have no idea, but I could try abstract. Like, you know, I could try all these different things um, or I could paint my florals more from photos and I could be more detailed with them. But I've kind of chosen that I'm going to be looser and more pattern inspired and a little bit more expressive with them because that is sort of the brand it's kind of weird talking about it as a brand, but it's sort of true. It's sort of my brand voice that I've decided on. It's my personal style that I've decided that I'm going to stick with for now. And maybe that'll grow and change as time goes by, but it helps my work have a very cohesive feel to it. If I have some sort of, yeah, some sort of guidelines that are um, guiding me, but not stifling me. So how do you feel like you found your style? Do you feel like it was a mix of what you just said, like, okay, these are kind of my rules and so this is my style? Or do you just let it evolve and it kind of found you? What what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of everything that you said. Um, So thinking about sort of how I've come to where I am now, I'll say that I, I used to paint like mostly landscapes and mostly from photos. So what I do now is very different than what I did when I was more just painting as a hobby, I guess you could say. Um, They were mostly just like gifts for people or to remember like a special place we visited, I would paint the place. Um, But as I I started thinking, okay, I want to, you know, form a business around my art. What do I like on a gut level, really, what am I drawn to? So I think I started out thinking like, what do I love looking at? And what could I conceivably do somewhat consistently? Um, And so I started doing flowers. And I think that was I I was sort of um, starting my Etsy shop and starting my business really as I was studying pattern design. And so I think that the me loving floral patterns kind of informed what I was painting too. Um, And so, yeah, I think I I decided like, what am I super duper drawn to? And what do I want to have around me and like have around me in my life? Um, Those colors, those patterns, those, those motifs and things. And so florals kind of came out of that. And then um, I started I started just by kind of setting very specific rules so that I could create my first uh, body of work that would all look very um, like a collection. So I made like super specific rules for myself, like no overlapping elements. um, And I would paint it like very, very pattern and very pattern inspired and flat. Like I didn't mix colors together on the canvas. I like pre-mixed colors on my palette and then just put down like flat areas of color. I didn't like really overlap or mix colors very much. So it was very like I had lots of rules, but that was just the very first time I ever tried to make a series of paintings that were at all cohesive or anything like a series that were all meant to sort of look similar. And so I thought that rules, those rules really did help me. And so um, as I did that, I started thinking like, oh, I really enjoy this. I like sort of these flower motifs, but some of those rules were feeling kind of constraining and I was starting to get too uptight about what I was painting. And so then I decided... um, to do a 30 day project. And it really ended up being like a 10 or 15 day project. But um, where I specifically decided like I wanted to break some of those rules and go for some um, things that I really loved about other artists, artists work that I was not doing at all in my work. And I was thinking, why do I why do I not paint with thick strokes? Like, why do I paint super thin and very flat? Like, why don't I mix colors on the canvas? So I started just sort of questioning and thinking about the things that were feeling uncomfortable about the way I was painting and purposefully experimenting with those things just on really small canvases, like little like five by seven ones or little square ones. Um, 
And so that project really moved me way closer to the style that I'm painting in today where I'm much more loose and expressive. Um, But I still do have rules like I'm not trying to go for a three-dimensional space really. So I don't try to like paint all the background details first and then paint the foreground things on the front. I just kind of treat it like a flat plane and I'll like compose my my elements across it. But then I'll overlap and I'll mix colors on the canvas and things. And so um yeah, so I I specifically decided to like break out of the things that were feeling constraining for me and experiment in a new way and observe what I really loved about other artists and um, try to bring some of those elements into my work, like super specific things, not like I want to paint flowers the way that she's painting them, but like I love the thick strokes that she's using, or I love that she has like some interesting neutral colors and then some really bright saturated colors right next to them, things like that, that I could use and then like interpret into my own work and it would inform my own style and not, not be like I was copying anybody. But um, yeah, that is kind of how I came to my style that I'm in now is like experimenting, but being kind of purposeful and mindful about what I was doing and what I was liking about my process and what I wanted to change. And um yeah, so there that's kind of how I am where I got to right now. So many good things. Okay. Oh, I love it so much. So I like that you talked about taking on a challenge um to kind of give you like a time frame and per, like parameters, but you're supposed to give you less parameters, but you know, parameters of not parameters um to experiment and grow and I think that that is a really great like advice and challenge for people who want to find their style, don't quite know what they like or what they want to do like if you pick a style, pick a thing, give yourself rules and then say, okay, I'm going to do this for 30 days. I'm going to do, you know, 20 paintings. And then you can try it and see if you like it, what you do or don't like about it. And then you can use that to develop because it's kind of like, you know, if you announce to the world, I'm a floral painter and then you paint, but you haven't painted any flowers yet. And then you paint one flower and you're like, this is terrible. I don't like this. <laughs> you know, like a challenge is a good way to be like, I'm going to, you know, do a thing of only 30 flowers and then, you know, but I'm not, you're not declaring that you are a floral painter. Um, yeah. yeah. And it takes the pressure off. I find like I've really only done two specific time projects like that. So I did that first one um, a couple summers ago to try to break out of the constraints I was feeling. And then I did one this last summer where I was working more on my patterns and just doing a pattern a day in my sketchbook. And it doing a project really takes the pressure off because if it's bad, it's like, ah, it was just one day out of my 30-day project or mm. I can just throw that away. Or, you know, if you don't have to use great materials. You don't even have to plan to sell any of them. Um, and you can also like put them out into the world and see what people are responding to. Like, um, like if people are saying like, oh, I really love this or that, it can kind of like inform the rest of your, the rest of your project and it might bring you in different directions even from there. But yeah, it's such a low, it's like such a low investment really to like experiment and then you can just chalk it all up to like experience if you didn't really like what you were doing in the end. Or maybe you did, but you want to change some things about it. You could just be thoughtful about it and see where you want to go at the end. Yeah. I actually just recorded a huge episode on um, completing big projects. So if anyone's interested in doing a challenge like this for themselves, um, I have a whole episode that will walk you through step-by-step step how to set it up and com- and carry through your project and, and all that kind of stuff that I'll link to in the show notes um, as a good resource. Because like Julie, I like being organized. And so I think that that is one thing that people struggle with that you are clearly so good at and, and maybe like to the extreme part of having like rules and things and everyone else is like, I just kind of show up and just kind of like, 
you know, like fiddle around and try different things. And, and so I think, can you talk more about how people can set their own rules that will help them kind of hone in on their style or just give them some direction in, in what they do when they show up? Because I think that's the thing is people will show up to create every day, but they're like, then what do I do? Um, so can you talk more about how people can set their own rules to help them with those two things? Yeah, I mean, what I did for myself, I can just kind of speak from my own experiences is like, if you have something like maybe you made one thing that you really liked, um, hopefully you've made one thing that you really liked, um, look at that and then say, okay, what was it about that? that really draws me to it? What did I really enjoy? Was it the process of making it? Was it the finished product? Was it like a certain color scheme or something? And then try to like branch off of that and continue in that vein. Like don't try to recreate that same thing, but like think about like, hey, I use these certain colors. What is it about those colors that really made me happy while I was painting it or express some sort of emotion? How can I use those colors or similar colors to do something like and kind of continue the thought of that piece? So that's that's one thing is just sort of like find something that you really like and then think about how you could create a a series that um, that feels cohesive, that has some sort of joining factors, whether it's the subject that you're creating or, yeah, the color scheme, or maybe it's the process in which you do it. Maybe you just really loved like all of the scribbly marks you did or something like that, where that could be the tying factor between like a series of pieces. And then just set I think a really helpful thing is like setting a number of pieces that you're going to aim for and not putting a ton of like putting enough expectation like you want to really try for it, but not beating yourself up if you don't reach that number or go beyond it. Like, don't feel like you have to stop if it was like easy to reach that number. But um, I know that when I was creating collections, it's always way easier if I'm like, okay, I'm going to do like you know, five of this certain size and then, you know, six more of this other size, or maybe I want to shoot for like 15 pieces in my collection or 10 pieces. So just having like a number to go for that, if something isn't really going well, you can just kind of put that one aside and then keep going. And at least you're like working towards your number. Um, let's think. Yeah. I mean, working towards your voice is, I feel like it's a really there's so many different things that you could do. Um, but I, I always like to think and to encourage people when we have this conversation about creative voices that like you, you haven't lost your voice and you don't need to be like searching for it. Like you do not have it. You have a voice if you just start creating and it, like following what you enjoy making and what you're curious about. And then like really being purposeful about those things, like pursuing those specific things that you that you love to do, I think there's going to be like a coherence to what ends up being created and that's going to be your voice. And it's going to be changing. It's not going to be, always be the same. Um, you'll be like growing and evolving in your in your style and in your creative voice as you as you keep making over the years. But um, yeah, I think just like thinking clearly about what, what really makes you happy and what really fulfills you about the creative process is a really good place to start that maybe you could focus in on those things for a certain amount of time and explore those things more. That is really great advice. Um, yeah, I think I, I, I talk about this also in my, my new course, um, we talk about making a template for your project. And so I think if you think of it in that terms, because I think some people, a lot of, you know, artists and makers are going to be like, oh, rules are, there's too many rules. Like art is supposed to be like breaking the rules and stuff. But creating that template, like we said, will help you hone in on what you're doing, will give you that creative direction. Um, but then it, it, it's just a template. Like you don't have to follow it. Like Julie was saying, you can, you know, experiment and follow whims and continue pushing. And and maybe that's your thing. It's like you're going to say like these are my five rules, but then every day I'm going to alter one of them slightly and and just see the little variations that that I can get in this project or, or whatever it is. Yeah, so, totally. I love that idea. 
Yeah, that could be a really fun challenge. Um, okay, I don't need any <laughs> new challenges right now. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking even boundaries, like when I was deciding how I wanted to do my podcast, I, I, was, I listened to a bunch of different podcasts and they all have slightly different formats. But the thing that's really... I noticed about all of them is that they all have a format. And so I just had to decide, okay, what is my format and decide like what was stressing me out about the idea of starting a podcast was filling up a lot of time. And so I just decided these are going to be like five, 10, or maybe 15, if I have enough to say minute episodes, and I'm going to take the pressure off myself to make something really long. I'm going to make this just bite size that I feel like I can handle this. So that even that sort of a boundary or a guideline like really helped me feel way more creative that I could brainstorm ideas that I could talk about in a short amount of time. So um, yeah, that's just like a totally different project, but same thing. Boundaries or guidelines really like help creativity if you um, if you're like thoughtful about like what those boundaries are going to be. Yes, and that goes back to what we were talking about earlier with the like. DIYing it, you just have to do what works for you and that's fine. And honestly, I love that your podcast is short because I can just listen to it as I'm like doing the dishes, you know, and it's not like I get stuck into like an hour podcast conversation and it only takes me five minutes to do the dishes. Um, so I love that and and I love that you're doing that differently and that's what gets gets you noticed, I think sometimes is when you do it differently because there are um, oh, I can't remember what book I'm, I was, re oh, I'm reading uh, Paul Jarvis's book, um, Everything I Know. And he talks about the same thing that if you follow the exact same path that someone else, probably someone famous has taken, then you're just the same as them, but you're not as cool because you're not the famous person. And so, <laughs> you know, it's, you can use that as a guiding post, you know, as a starting point, but it's when you do your own thing, that's how you're going to get noticed. And then you're going to be the famous person who people are looking at how they got their path. Um, so, yeah. And I think that definitely like as when you're starting out, it is really easy to want to emulate what other people are doing. But I think like using because we're artists. This is a podcast for creative people. Um, even if you don't call yourself an artist necessarily, like we have creative minds. We can look at what somebody is doing and like pull out the bits and pieces that we think would work for us and like discard the rest and then make something new out of it. And so that I feel like that like half of the art that I'm making now are like bits and pieces that I have it's not like I'm not copying people, but it's like, oh, I just like loved the really loose way that somebody paints. I'm going to try that in my painting. And then I kind of feel uncomfortable painting super loose. So then I'm going to like find them in between between the super uptight and the super loose and kind of go for like expressive. <laughs> and so that kind of land and create my own way that I paint. And so like just starting out even with what other people are doing, but then just pulling out pieces from it, you're going to create something that's new and unique for yourself. And, and, and I think another important thing I've kind of thought about is sometimes I found myself stuck in the rut of like, the way that somebody does it is the way, like that is the way to paint flowers <laughs> or that is the way to do a podcast or that is the way to create something specifically because that's what somebody I really admire is doing. But then realizing, okay, like breaking out of that, that thought pattern of like, this is the way to do it. No, it's not the way. Like maybe there's something about that that is inspiring to me and I can pull that inspiring piece out. But like, breaking out of that and thinking like, how would I do it informed by all the things that I love about all the, you know, all the things that I'm looking at right now. 
Oh, yeah, because 95% of the time you're just making your own art. So you can change it however you want. There's just that small percentage of time that you're, you know, making something to submit where you need to like follow someone else's guidelines and rules. And so there's no, again, that's what artists are. They're people who are challenging the way that things are supposed to be done. Um, and you've mentioned this multiple times, Julie, and I, I wanted to, to pick up on it. Um, the like, still like an artist mentality, you know, and I, I feel like people are going to listen to this conversation and be like, gosh, y'all are like so nerdy about like having rules and templates and like challenges and things. But it is, it's when you get introspective about what you're doing is when things get better. And so I love talking about how people find inspiration and how they still like an artist, because when you're just saying, oh, I like that painting, well then, okay, like, I don't know what that means. And also then you're just going to go copy that painting. But when you say, I like, you know, that one way, that one brush stroke, and I'm going to take that into my work. That is how you still like an artist. That's how you gather inspiration. That's how you build your own work and get new ideas and move in new directions. And so I love how specifically you, you've been describing that. Yeah, I love that. And I, I've heard of that. Is it a book, I think, Still Like an Artist? I might have even yes. started reading it. <laughs> um I can't remember, but yes, totally. And I think that's the difference between being inspired by somebody and copying somebody is like exactly what you were saying, like finding those specifics that um, could be translated into what you're doing. And as as you were saying, like this sounds like an episode full of like rules and nerdy stuff. I think part of the reason that I gravitate towards sort of the design side of what I do and also like having some guidelines that can kind of jumpstart me is that I I paint things that like I just choose things intuitively sort of that make me happy to paint but I don't really like the work I make is not like heavily influenced by like my life experiences or my like deepest emotions or things like that like I don't I create out of just things that bring me joy and I want to bring other people joy and so I feel like I'm not really drawing um, like images from my life or like I don't process my emotions through my work all that much. And so like having these sort of external interesting things like that is gets more into like the nuts and bolts of like the physical way that the painting turns out Um kind of helped jumpstart me too because I don't I don't really like come into the studio. I always thought that being a studio artist meant like I come in and I like am brooding and I like paint my emotions and then I hope some gallery can like sell my emotions to someone else. But um that's totally not the way that I go about it. I I I'm it it's like my paintings are more just like fun explorations into like colors or patterns or textures or materials that are like interesting and fun for me to use. Yes. Some things just exist to be beautiful. And I love that you just, you just brought that up and mentioned that. And I think that is totally okay. Yeah. Um, and I, that's why I buy the art that I buy. I've, I've, in the last couple of years, I've been trying to be more purposeful about like saving up and buying original pieces of art from artists I love. And it's because it hangs in my house and I love living around it and it makes me happy. That's the kind of art that I like buying. And yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's what I want to do for other people too. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh man, Julie. All right. We're getting to the, um, the lightning round, whatever you call them, stamp my template questions. I ask everyone at the end. This has been such an inspiring and fun conversation. Um, so tell us what does living a creative lifestyle look like for you? I <laughs> I've been thinking about this question and I think I think for me, living creatively is basically making the time to create. Um I specifically like 
carve out time in my day to make creating and working on my business and painting and all of those things. And I think the business side, it for me is just as creative as the art side, because I am doing it all on my own. And I'm kind of forming this thing for myself. Um, I'm using my creative uh, gifts in that way, too. And so just deciding like purposefully that I'm going to make time to do these things is what a creative lifestyle looks like for me, because there are lots of things like, like taking time to clean the house, like taking care of my yard, like (laughs) being super creative in the kitchen. Those things have kind of at this point in my life have kind of taken a backseat so that I as a full-time mom can also create at the same time. And so, um, yeah, just like being purposeful and saying like, no, I'm going to make time to make things. This is what I really want to do. Um, I'm going to make it happen. Yeah, I've been working on that. So I've been working for myself at home for a semester now. And um, I have noticed that I will gravitate towards the like busy work of like emails and writing blog posts. And, and those are very creative. They definitely are. But I have to push myself harder than I thought I would to sit down and do the art part of it. And so that's really encouraging, I guess, to hear that I'm not the only one. Um, But how much time do you think you spend creating each week or day? Oh, gosh. Um, I would say, well, creating as in like painting, Mm -hmm. I might do, it depends on the day. Some days I don't paint at all. Some days are like, I need to ship out orders or I need to edit photos or update my website or something like that. But like several days a week, I would say like on average, maybe like four out of the five days that I'm specifically doing work, um, I'll paint. And usually I like to paint during my daughter's afternoon nap because that's a good chunk of time. So I can kind of get into it and not like put out all my paints and then have to walk away from the project. So that'll be like maybe two hours on a good day. So two, four, six, eight, maybe eight hours a week. And um, that's a good week. (laughs) I would say right now I'm like 50% working on the business, 50% painting. And a friend of mine who's a very savvy business person was like, you need to be shifting it more towards painting because painting is the business. (laughs) I'm like, oh, you're right. But like you said, it is sometimes hard to, um, it's sometimes easier to work on the businessy things versus the creative things because it's like a different a different uh area of your brain that you kind of have to like get into and once you get in there it's hard to like stop it stop and like transition to something else so sometimes I don't I'm like hesitant to like start creating because then I'll be like oh but then I'll have to stop in like 15 minutes you know that kind of a thing <laughs> yes yes well I feel like I I am very encouraged to hear that amount of time um and I hope that that also encourages other people who are like oh but don't you guys are like full-time artists like you're not creating you know 100 hours a week and I'm like no I wish but I also I probably could if I made myself but that that's the hard part um yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, when you when you're posting your art all the time and putting it out there into the world, it is really easy to think like from that image that people get is like, "Oh yeah, you're posting a painting every day. You must be making a painting every day." <laughs> but no, I make a lot of them kind of in bursts and then I take lots of photos and then I kind of spread them out. Yes. Yes, it's pulling back the curtain right there. Yes, a real artist <laughs> life. <laughs> Um, so what is your favorite resource for creativity? Mm, well, since I love podcasts, I wanted to share one of my favorite podcasts that I have been listening to. So it's called the Creative Pep Talk. And um, the host is a guy named Andy, and he's an illustrator. And um, I really enjoy his podcast because although it is art business. It is about creative entrepreneurship. He really gets into the nitty gritty of the creative process a lot and like really conceptual things um, like 
oh, I feel like I'm not going to be able to like come up with one right now. <laughs> but um, it's definitely like looking like a lot of what we've been talking about, like looking at your process carefully, pulling out things intentionally that are successful, how to build on that success, things like that. I feel um, make his show unique. So yeah, I would I would recommend the creative pep talk and definitely go back, listen to like all the older episodes and then move into the new ones. Cause he does he kind of transitions, I think, along the way. And the really early ones um are some of my favorite ones. So yeah, go check that one out. Awesome. Yeah, it is a fantastic uh podcast. All right. And so it is now when this launches it will be late January. So what can we be looking forward to from you? Well, in, yeah, in the new year in 2018, I am planning on uh, starting season two of my podcast. And then also I am planning on starting some um, or recording some online uh, painting courses, I guess, for lack of a better cool. word, like, um, yeah, some video online. T- I don't know if tutorial is the right word. It's not going to be like an ongoing like subscription course or anything like that. It's more like a download um, buy one thing out of my shop and you download a video where I walk you through specific techniques and how to paint a specific painting. It's basically like my in-person workshops, but then for all the people who are too far away to take them. So that is what is going to be coming out hopefully early in the new year. Okay, I will link Julie's tutorial that she did for Get Messy so that you guys can see the quality. Um, Julie, I just, I have just been so amazed by the quality and the professionalism of all of your work. Your photos are beautiful. You speak so eloquently. Your videos are incredible, such high quality. And your teaching is so, so good and so easy to follow and so inspiring. And so I think you guys will be really excited to take more classes from her once you see her work and once you see her teaching process and and how legit her videos and things are. So I will definitely link to that in the show notes and I will link to those whenever they come out. Fantastic. Thank you. I'm really excited to kind of jump into this whole new world of online courses. It'll be really fun. Yes, it is very fun and very overwhelming very quickly. (laughs) (laughs) I'll need to to get some tips from you for sure. (laughs) Um, Okay. So I feel like I wrote down two challenges that are really fun from this episode. So if you're using Hopefully you're using the How She Creates hashtag. Um, So I would love to see two things. One, your rules. So take some time this week. Think about what the rules are that you have for whatever you create. And so I'd love for you to take a picture of that or share it in an Instagram caption with your artwork so that we can see what your rules are and then your process. Um, So... And I feel like those those are kind of different um, and you can make them into one thing and share it once or you can share two different captions. But I'm really excited to sit down and really think about my process and my rules and maybe to, I need to give myself some more rules when I'm creating. Um, so we would love to see what you're doing uh, using the how she creates hashtag. Um, well, thank you so much, Julie, for being here and for sharing with us. This has been such an, like a very useful and inspiring and fun interview. So I can't wait to see what people create out of this. Thanks so much, Lauren. It was so much fun talking to you. I hope it, it is helpful and inspiring to everybody too. Me too. All right. Well, we'll see you later. All right. Bye. All right. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you are as pumped and excited as I am. This episode really got me thinking about my own creative process. So I will be sharing more of my thoughts over on Instagram at Lauren Likes Blog and of course on my blog and which is where the show notes are at lauren-likes.com slash podcast. So you can connect with Julie there. And remember, we have two challenges for you this week. And so Julie and I are going to be looking at the how she creates hashtag to see what your creative process is. And I'm going to be looking at the reviews over the next week. And if you leave a review, you will be entered to win the Get Messy Seasons Pass. So 
jump on that and tell your friends and share about the podcast and we will see you on Instagram. Have a great week. Thank you so much for listening to How She Creates. I would love to see how you create. Share what you're making on Instagram using the hashtag HowSheCreates. If you love learning about creativity with me, please leave a review on iTunes and subscribe. Grab your art supplies and I'll meet you back here next week for another episode of How She Creates.